Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. Putting STEM into every classroom every day. Well, I'm very excited that today we get to chat with Tim Cavey on the STEM Everyday Podcast. He's also a podcaster as well, which we'll get into in a moment. He's an eighth grade teacher in British Columbia. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. Cavey. That's M-I-S-T-E-R-C-A-V-E-Y. And of course, we'll always have all the links and stuff in the show notes. Welcome to the show today, Tim. Thank you, Chris. What an honor to be here, sir. Uh, it's an honor to have you on the show, too. Now, uh, first off, let's just say, Tim, you've got your own podcast, right? That's right. It is called the Teachers on Fire podcast. And right. yeah, it's going strong. It's about a year and a half into existence. And I have to say that I've enjoyed so many of Tim's episodes. You can find out more about it at teachersonfire.net. Uh, he profiles agents of growth and transformation in a K-12 education and each two week, Tim chats with an inspiring educator to bring you their highs and lows, passions and goals, and the voice and influences that are shaping their thinking and inspiring their practice, right? That was well done, Chris. I couldn't have done it better myself. You, you do it every time, and you do it way better than I just did it. <laughs> well, thank you for that. It's a lot of fun. As you know, sitting behind the mic and meeting terrific educators who are doing great things for kids. And just a quick plug for anybody that is an educator. If you've got the opportunity, reach out to people that do podcasts and say, hey, I'd love to be able to share my story or start your own. And, and I know Tim is, is going to be hopefully working on some, some podcasting with his students this year. And we'll probably get to that as well. And that's a thing that a lot of people are doing. But, but first, Tim, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in education. Sure. Yeah. So I'm an eighth grade teacher in Surrey, BC, as you said, where I teach most of the core subjects. And I also teach electives in video making and entrepreneurship. And those two electives fall under our ADST curriculum, which is essentially STEM. Okay. So I, I really enjoy those two electives. I'm sure we'll come back to them. Yep. I did kind of a funny side story. I did come to the school thinking that with four eighth grade classes, I would be able to specialize in maybe one or two subjects. And I quickly discovered, no, that was not the case, that the administrators instead wanted to really stick with a more of a traditional homeroom model that you would see in primary or elementary school. Yeah. And the reason for that is just to create the most flexible timetable possible so that in theory, I could spend an entire day with my kids working on a single multidisciplinary project. And I'm sure again, that's something we'll touch on, but I haven't done a lot of that yet. And I sort of have mixed feelings about it because it does mean I'm doing a lot more preparing right. courses and I'm never repeating lessons. So that's a little bit painful, but that is, that is my current setup. You also asked about how I got into education. I guess the short version is that I knew by my senior year that I wanted to head into education. Mm -hmm. I just enjoyed writing, communicating, organizing, teaching, and of course, working with young people. At the time, I was involved in summer camps, and I volunteered with different urban organizations. And so it just seemed a natural next step to head into education, and I've never looked back. Yeah. And, and I know that one of the things that Tim also enjoys in his spare time, he loves being outdoors, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think we have that in common, Chris. And, you know, this summer was a little bit painful for me because I would have liked to have spent more time outside. I'm 
working hard to finish a master's thesis, but I still got out on the ocean and, and did a few hikes and, and it was a lot of fun. And that's so important for every educator to be able to get outside, especially in the summertime and just, just relax and unwind and actually even more so probably during the school year to get away and to just do something that you enjoy, right? A hundred percent. And we need to model it for our kids. If we have kids and for our students, they need to see that we are embracing nature. We're, we're uh, heading away from the screens, at least to some extent. I mean, I wish I got off the grid more than I did this summer. (laughs) When I am still on the grid, then, you know, it's, it's hard not to look at Twitter every once in a while, but (laughs) that's, I guess, a a bit of a vice when you're out in nature, but no, it, it does something special for the soul. Absolutely. Yeah. Now let's, um, let's circle back Tim, if you don't mind to, you talked about you're in, in a homeroom style class. So almost like what, people would think of as an elementary style classroom, but yet you're in in middle school in eighth grade. Um, You said you're still very kind of early on into it, but it seems like that would give teachers more of an opportunity to say, I'm going to tie something that's math and science to my history and my literature. Absolutely. The opportunity is there. And that's, like I said, that's what our administrators had in mind. My team is relatively new to eighth grade. I'm new to the school. And one of our resolutions for this coming school year, we start next week, is Mm -hmm. to jump into more of that pure multidisciplinary PBL, something big, I guess, or something a little bit broader in scope that really can integrate as many subjects as possible. I would say we took a few first steps in that direction last year, and, and we did do a few projects that combine some STEM and some, uh, you know, some humanities and some math, but limited. Don't ask me about them because they're still (laughs) very limited. (laughs) Okay. Well, I I won't ask you yet about, you know, like what kind of things, maybe I should ask you what kind of things were big failures in your classroom? Because I bet some things you tried didn't quite work out like you wanted, I'm sure. Well, yeah, uh, let's see. I mean, I I would say instead of particular failures. I, like I said, I just don't think we did enough. So, you know, we, as one example from science, we made cell models, but Mm -hmm. we just didn't wrap a whole lot around that from other disciplines. And so, you know, something I've been thinking about this year is how can students maybe produce a video walkthrough of their cell or mm-hmm. even record a podcast. And you mentioned I want to do more podcasting. So how can students not regurgitate, but transfer their learning into another context and represent it for others? That's the kind of thing that I want to uh, sort of add on to the learning this year. But I'm looking for those multidisciplinary projects that really hit every part of curriculum at once. Right. And like you said, Tim, not just a project like here, everybody just make a cell, everybody just make a cell project, but, but yeah. really just taking STEM and, and making it active, right? Yeah, something that I now, I mean, I don't think we did a great job of STEM and, and Chris, you would have some phenomenal ideas about how to improve this project. <laughs> but I mentioned on another podcast that we did Roman newspapers, for example, we, oh. we and so that brings in all kinds of literature and history and arts and graphic design, right? Oh, yeah. And, creative skills. And so that was, I I would call a a decent example of PBL. But, you know, something I was thinking about this year is how can we bring in more math? Well, 
I mean, the Romans had all kinds of phenomenal structures and architecture. And of course, you've got things like chariot races, you've got some different speed problems, maybe we can integrate. And of course, uh, some financial opportunities in terms of selling tickets to the Colosseum, right? So I, I want to think through, I want to think through how can we bring math into a project like that in a bigger way. So yeah. would welcome your ideas, actually, not, not just on that, but on, on anything related. Actually, Tim, just because you did bring it up about that whole just Roman history kind of aspect. Yeah. I, I talked with Natalie Roy on episode 102 of the STEM Everyday podcast, and she's actually a Roman technology teacher at her school. She, nice. she went from being a Latin teacher and starting to do some STEM things to to balling those two together into one and combining their forces. And uh, it's just so much fun to see the different things that she posts that her students are doing. And um, and and you know what, Tim? That's that's exactly the thing that happens when when you listen to a podcast like yours or or the STEM Everyday podcast and. Um, just getting those ideas and being able to share those ideas with other people um, because, because we all see that STEM is a good addition to any classroom. We can, we can all find ways that it, it helps our classroom, right? Absolutely. I mean, I just, I watch you on Twitter, Chris, and I think you model it so well, but I mean, STEM is active. It connects with the context around us. It thrives on relevance. It's not, uh, you know, static or, or passive. It's active. It's dynamic. And it embodies all those 21st century thinking skills that we really want to see in our learners. Things like the critical and creative thinking, the improvisation, innovation, problem solving or my favorite tolerance for ambiguity, right? No, <laughs> no, no two problems are the same and no two beetles uh, scurry around at the same speed, right, Chris? Or whatever <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and you know what? You brought up a couple of those, those C words. Uh, you said right. creative thinking and, and such. Talk about, I know a lot of people have heard of the four C's and you actually like, like the five C's, but um, give, us, give us a little bit of background about why, why you like those, those C words. Well, I don't know if it was Sir Ken Robinson or George Kuros or, or one of the big names that we're all familiar with, but you know they mm -hmm. talk about how the traditional school system really kills curiosity by the end of uh, their twelfth year or their twelfth grade. Pardon me. And so, yeah, you're right. For a long time, I really championed the four C's, and I'm a big fan of them. And here in British Columbia, they've built our new curriculum around these simple core competencies that apply to every grade level. But I want to reframe my thinking now permanently with the fifth C, curiosity included. And I want to be always thinking about how am I quenching curiosity in my practice? I mean, hopefully uh. not in too many ways, but how am, I, uh, how am I putting out that fire instead of igniting it? And so, I mean, that starts with me, honestly. I need to be more curious myself and, and take those learning opportunities when they come up. Well, like you love being outside. And I know a while back you, you posted uh, a short video of just like jumping in the water. And anything like that can be a way that we can start to engage the kids in our classroom with, with those C's, the creativity, the critical thinking, uh, and definitely the curiosity. I think that's why kids love STEM so much. Absolutely. And I've got one of my two boys is perennially curious and he pushes me. And I think maybe that's a, a side benefit of, of having kids around is they haven't lost that 
curiosity that they're born with. And they sort of get us thinking about some of these things that we've become numb to maybe. But yeah, I mean, kids like STEM because again, it's, you know, for all of the same reasons that I just mentioned, it is engaging. It is unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Some guys that I really look up to on YouTube, Chris, are the, everyone knows about Dude Perfect and their great channel. And I think they, oh, yeah. they model a lot of the, the STEM. Maybe they don't get into the, the science and, and measurement quite as much, <laughs> but I've noticed with their, with their latest videos, you know, they do these rocket launches, for example, and, and kids and viewers of all ages can sort of see the different heights these rockets travel and the speed at which they're going and then watch the arc of descent. And so, you know, they model the, the fun side of STEM so well. Yeah. And, and that's a great reminder to educators when you come across those, those fun videos, those things that you know your kids are watching. If you put that up on the screen in your classroom and you click play and the kids are like, wait, we're watching Dude Perfect in class? And you're yeah. like, heck yes, we are, because this relates to what we're doing in our class. And I mean, and it could be as simple as, hey, kids, let's make our own Dude Perfect video. Or, hey, let's right. make our, figure out why these kind of tricks work and, and why does this and why does that? And, and getting them to be creative and innovative mm-hmm. and exciting. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a mindset. And I'm telling you, Chris, I need to get into that mindset more than I currently am. That's an admission right off the top, but it it makes life fun, doesn't it? It makes the world around us a whole lot more interesting. Yeah, exactly. And again, we're chatting with Tim Cavey. Again, you can find him on Twitter at M-I-S-T-E-R-C-A-V-E-Y, Mr. Cavey. Uh, Or you can find him on teachersonfire.net. Again, his podcast is called the Teachers on Fire podcast. And again, I can't recommend it enough. You talked about a couple of the elective classes that you teach, video and entrepreneurship. Just talk a little bit about those and what it's like doing those kind of things with with your students. Oh, it is so fun. I mean, on the video side of things, I feel like I'm learning right there with them. We get to experiment <laughs> with, with different platforms and, and and forms of video. I mean, it's still at the eighth grade level. And so last year, I allowed students to use smartphones. We're not into quality so much, I guess, as we are convention and frame and some of the basic techniques that we want to think about. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we played around with green screen tricks, which are a ton of fun. We did a little (laughs) bit of vlogging, a little bit of short film, and and I'm trying to get in there and model the learning as much as I can. And so I get to have fun during those periods. And we also did, outside of movie making, we also did some coding through Khan Academy. And I'm always interested to hear from other teachers which coding platforms they use, but Khan Academy does a fantastic job of really walking students through step-by-step how to learn some of these coding languages. So I guess that falls more under the T in STEM. And so I, I really enjoy that as kind of a nice change from whatever we are focused on in the classroom. And I look forward to more of that next year as well. And actually, Tim, I think most people, when they first think of coding, probably rightly so, they think of code.org. And when they think of Khan Academy, they generally think of math lessons and things like that. But people forget, I think, sometimes that Khan Academy has such a great resource on, on coding. You know, it is, like I said, I can't, uh, I can't promote it enough. And I am aware of code.org and some of the other greats that are out there. And I, I've looked, at, I've poked around their platforms a little bit. I don't know if you use any of them, Chris. I'd love to hear what you are using if, if you are. But uh, 
Khan Academy, like I said, is so, I'll call it hands-off in terms of the teacher involvement. I mean, obviously, I walk around the classroom and I'm looking over a lot of shoulders and I'm, I'm prompting here and there, but I, I think they allow that good tension of the productive struggle. And so I don't jump in to save students too quickly because there's a really good learning opportunity there in terms of just wrestling with problems and finding creative solutions. Yeah. And I would guess that probably with your video making stuff, I'm sure that you've probably explored the Pixar in a box aspect on Khan Academy as well, right? I have not. No, tell me more about that. Oh, well, great. So this is for everybody here. So Pixar in a box. So everybody knows of Pixar movies, the great animated films that kids love to watch. Well, Khan Academy has these different videos and, and tutorials that you can work through. And one whole topic is all about crowds and how do you create crowds in a movie? So think of a movie like WALL-E and you've got all sorts of robots in the background. Well, you don't want to have to create thousands of different robots because that would take the, the designers, the drawers so much time. So they basically kind of think of ways to do it, basically using math skills it's really neat. It kind of shows and it talks with some of the different people that work at Pixar. It's just kind of a neat behind the scenes. And it's great for every classroom to, to check that out because most kids are very familiar with those kind of movies. So I would love to bring that into my course this year. So thank you for that. Hey, no problem. Tim, if I could ask you, what do you hope now you've said you, you kind of have some ideas for your future classroom this year and what you really want to do more of. What do, what do you hope that STEM education can be in the future? And I know you use that, that acronym ADST. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, what was, first of all, what was that acronym ADST? Yeah, sure. So ADST stands for Applied Design and Skills Technology, or Skills and Technology is probably what it stands for. So that is sort of an umbrella subject, again, here in the uh, curriculum that we follow in the province of British Columbia. But okay. we're talking about the, the same the same essential, I guess, more of the technology piece. We're, we're not including science or math particularly. Gotcha. And so ADST, within ADST, we've got things like entrepreneurship and video making and, of course, the trades and the shops and all kinds of different unique modules and electives that, that students can get into. Cool. And yeah. And, and so in terms of where I want to see STEM going in the future, I'd love to see the design process, which is mapped out really well for us in our, again, in our curriculum. I'd like to see that thinking transfer beyond STEM and beyond ADST into every subject. And so in my school, we've put up uh, the design process in a big poster in every classroom. Oh, wow. And I'll, I'll tell you, it fits the the writing process. It it's not too far from the scientific method. I mean, that, yeah. that whole idea of collecting feedback and multiple revisions of work, and, and that fits into assessment as well, which is a whole other discussion. But yeah, I, I want to see the design process and design thinking permeate every subject. Yeah, I think a lot of people haven't ever thought about that fact that you just brought up, Tim. And I've seen some different graphics on it as well that kind of put them side by side with the, the writing process and the design process. The iteration is, is just like writing rough drafts and second draft, doing, doing the, diff- the experiment over and over again in science class. It's what learning is really all about. Absolutely, yeah. 
I, I want to give Tim a, a chance to talk about his Teachers on Fire podcast, just incredible episodes and, and kind of what got you deciding to start that podcast and, and what have you learned from doing it? You know, it was a long journey to get there, but the, I guess the short version is I was a commuter and I, I, I've been into podcasts for probably over 10 years and I started to listen to entrepreneurship podcasts. I don't know if you've got any of those in your deck and, you know, big names that we've heard of like John Lee Dumas, Pat Flynn and Gary V, although Gary V comes with a language warning, but okay. <laughs> But these guys and, and some of the ladies out there in that space are really big on this idea of leveraging the power of the internet to create content, which we can all do for free. Oh, and yeah. you, you do so well on Twitter and YouTube and, and sharing it with untold masses of people. I mean, the opportunity is there. It's, it's basically just fear that stops most people. And so... That's coming from the entrepreneurship space, but I thought, you know, those ideas resonate so powerfully. Why aren't we bringing this mentality and this philosophy into our classrooms? And, and around that time, I started looking for good education podcasts, and I wasn't finding a lot. I didn't find Everyday STEM, and I didn't find a lot of the ones that I listen to now, but uh, I decided to fill that gap. And of course, since then, I've, I've discovered well over a hundred is probably hundreds of us out there doing this work. But oh, yeah. I, I honestly think the more the merrier, we're all on the same team and we're, we're spreading the word and amplifying the voices of great educators and sharing their ideas. So it's a lot of fun and I've learned a lot. I'm sure you have too, but yeah. that's, that's kind of the short version. And, and again, you mentioned about how it's something that we can model for our students and you talked yes. about it a little bit in your video making class as well. And the trick is to say, what are you contributing, as Andy Crouch would say, of beauty and utility? What, how are you actually adding to the conversation? Because, you know, any of us can produce low-grade low junk that, that doesn't really, you know, that doesn't really add to anyone else's life. But right. how can we add value? And when kids can start to see that their voice matters and that they can contribute value, that gets really exciting. Yeah. Well, like you were talking about earlier, Tim, how you would just listen to podcasts while you're traveling, while you're driving to or from school. And, and again, I do the same thing. It's such a powerful time to be either built up and lifted up on your way in to the classroom or on your way out to be reminded of all the great ideas that, that people are doing and sharing out there. So uh, right now, everybody should hit pause and go and subscribe to the Teachers on Fire podcast on their favorite podcast app. Wow, right. thanks, Chris. All right, now everybody's back after hitting pause. Uh, <laughs> one, more, one more final question for you, Tim. I love to ask every time, what person in STEM, past or present, would you most like to have come be a guest speaker in your classroom and just wow your kids? Well, the name that jumped immediately to mind was Elon Musk, but I'm sure that, that name has been taken. I, I think I've heard it taken on your show. So I'm going with... <laughs> I'm going with Pat Flynn, and he's, he's lesser known. Some, some in your audience will know him, but he's just an amazing guy. I would say everyone needs to go and subscribe to his YouTube channel. He is an entrepreneur, but more than that, he is a creator. And just recently, he walked his audience through the process that he went through to bring an invention from idea all the way to market. And it is a really fascinating journey. And it's it's one that you and I can replicate with yeah. 
crowdsourcing opportunities like Kickstarter and so forth. So Pat Flynn, I'm putting my vote out for him. And just thinking that episode would be perfect for uh, a lesson in your, in your classroom uh, for helping kids realize that those things that they're designing in your STEM and your STEAM lab and your maker space, don't just make it so that you can turn in and get credit on, a, on an assignment. Do it so that you can hopefully someday take it to market and be successful with it. Absolutely. I mean, again, is it contributing to the world? Is it solving a problem or is it creating something of beauty, you know, beauty and I would say entertainment falls into that category that that has a measure of value as well. But yes, I mean, convince I'm all about authentic products. And it's not to say that everything I do in my classroom turns into an authentic product. But I remember one of my guests, Dan Ryder, challenged me to do fewer dumpster projects and (laughs) And so that's part of my mandate going forward. That's awesome. Well, Tim, it's been great chatting with you today. Tim Cavey, again, you can find him on Twitter at Mr. Cavey, and you can find him on teachersonfire.net is his website for his podcast. Tim, it's just been great chatting with you today. It's been a tremendous honor, Chris. I love what you're putting out there. You inspire me and I know so many others. So keep up the great work. Well, Tim, you inspire me, and it's a great honor to have you here on the show. Uh, Everybody should check out his podcast, and also at the same time, subscribe to the STEM Everyday Podcast if you haven't already. Please leave a review, and if you want to connect with me, hop on Twitter, Daily STEM, or at dailystem.com. I'd love to talk. I'd love to chat with you or help you out in any way that I can, and we'll talk to you again next time. You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit RemarkableChatter.com.